Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining the Data Binge podcast. Today, we have a very, very special episode for you. I met up with Connie Fan, a star data solution architect here at Microsoft, and an incredible woman doing super boss stuff in the enterprise artificial intelligence landscape. Some of the things we underscore in the episode, the importance of diversity when programming a perceptive artificial intelligence or assisted intelligence, according to Connie, that will be more inclusive in how it helps humankind break free of using our minds for routine tasks to focus more on original thought and creativity, which specifically is super important for big businesses to leverage. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the episode as well. We also talk about the growth mindset and how managers need to be looking deeper than just skill set when building teams in the era of AI. And we bookend the episode by walking through the profile of a successful predictive analytics use case. So what big businesses are doing to predictively understand um, their customers, their products, or their operations. We also touch on parenthood, time management, and some personal stories from Connie. I really can't wait for all of you to listen. If you haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for some more awesome episodes in the future. Thank you all for listening. And now I bring you Connie Fan. Hello, Connie. Hi, Derek. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, I'm really, really excited to have you today on the podcast. I've really been um, blown away by some of the great things our colleagues have been saying about you. So welcome. Uh, super, today's going to be super fun. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So Connie, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what okay. you do here today at Microsoft? Yeah, okay. So uh, my name is Connie Fan. I am uh, a data solution architect here at Microsoft. And I've been here for about two and a half years. And I'm working the same team as Derek. I first came here when I was, um, I came here to attend uh, college. So I come from Taipei, Taiwan. So I was talking to Derek. Like When I first came here, I don't really speak English at all. I signed my name in Chinese, but since then I evolved. So uh, I have a bachelor degree in computer science and um, it was kind of accidentally get into the field. I first study, tried to study nursing, but I just can't handle poking people with needle. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, backup, the backup plan was I have a job and then my, my boss at the time told me, say, oh, Kenny, I, I don't think you can do nursing. Maybe you go take some computer class. And I said, I could then cross into uh, computer science. Then I evolved on there. I worked in the industry for a couple of decades and uh, primarily as a developer. But um, then um, I went back to graduate school later in my career after uh, my children is grown. So I went back to get my master's degree in uh, information system. And then from there on, I crossed over to, I always fascinated by data and artificial intelligence. So I take classes on my own, and then I try to talk to any people that want to talk to me about data or artificial intelligence. And then that's when I landed my job at Microsoft. So I'm very grateful here. Wait, so Connie, the only reason that you became a quasi uh, super, <laughs> super powerful data scientist here at Microsoft is because you were scared of poking people with a needle? 
Yes, I am. It was very funny. I have a lab about, you know, try to draw blood with uh, my teammate. Nobody wanted to be my team because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't do it the first shot. I have to poke at it many times. So. Well, that's that. Well, it's different today because everybody wants to be your teammate. Everybody <laughs> wants to get, including me, I, I would love to have you in front of my customers. Um, so that's, that's great, Connie. So, and you're also an instructor uh, for yeah. big for big data and data science at UCLA. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, just like uh, I was uh, taking data science classes and I was uh, talking to my colleague about my passion about data. And then he think he got the passion I have about data. He said there is an opening about teaching and so will I be interested in teaching? And I said, yes, I have always loved sharing. I thought knowledge is very fascinating. And um, so I, 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 I go interview and I was able to get the job. So I'm teaching for the past uh, two and a half years, actually. <laughs> wow, that's, that's great. So, um, so for some of the folks that are business listeners here um, who are trying to acquire new talent, um, a lot of the customers that I talk to say, hey, we don't, hey, Microsoft, we don't have any data scientist resources. Uh, that's one of the reasons we love some of the tools that you guys are rolling out because you kind of democratize data science. But yeah. still, finding those resources within businesses and trying to spin up uh, AI and machine learning workloads are, has been super difficult because mm -hmm. not that many people can scale and ramp up. Yeah. What are you seeing customers? Uh, people and businesses doing to fill that gap? So I think uh, there is a couple way to look at it. There is like internal resource, just like me. I if I have my boss at that time didn't realize, okay, you cannot do nursing, or my professor at that time said, you cannot do nursing. Why if you get uh, into another field? Try, give it a try. So if a business or the people running the business or leader, maybe you do have potential employee or internal people, they do have the potential. They just need a little bit encouragement or give them a little bit guidance and they can browse and browse, you know, they can browse, you know, grow into a, a data scientist or data engineer or people love data. So I think that's one revenue that you can find internally. And of course, externally, you can find uh, like Microsoft, uh, people, we offer um, our services and to do that, or you can just uh, hire the right talent. But one one thing I always find that um, interesting throughout my career is like, if you want to find the perfect candidate, there's no such thing. Mm -hmm. You want to find a person who willing to grow and go the uh, distance with you. I think that's more important than find exactly the right skill set. Because in the, throughout my career, I realized I learned from one thing to the other, learned from one thing to the other. And the potential behind it is I have this high curiosity about learning stuff. And so I, I migrate from one platform to the other. And um, so I just highly recommend that looking for the candidate or looking for the internal employee who has that growth mindset. Like, I want to grow. I don't mind failing and encourage them to do that. I think that will be probably the way they can find the resource or grow into it. 
And Connie, so you obviously have a growth mindset. You came here, you signed your, you signed your, your name in, in Chinese and on the immigration <laughs> papers coming here. So obviously you've learned English and you've learned this fascinating new uh, era of machine learning and, and data analytics. Uh, what does a growth mindset look like for you? Like in your own words, what is that for you? Uh-huh. And how do you use it on just a, like on, on a Monday? Per yeah. Se? So um, to me, growth mindset is just not afraid of failure or ask questions. I like every morning I wake up, hey, there is something I can learn today. And there is something I can share today. I believe there's like two kinds of mindset. There is a contraction. Like people just close up. They hold everything to themselves. And they're expanding personality. So expanding personality, you tend to actually grow faster. And don't be afraid to share your knowledge. Because in return, people will give you, you know, you will learn from people also. And uh, so to me, grow mindset is just, Open your arm up to information, failure, success, you know, and so I, and passion. Another key thing behind a good mindset, I think, is passion. You are passionate about something and don't be afraid to find, uh, go to the bottom to find the information. Even if you don't find it, it's okay. The pursuit itself, it is what gets you there. I love that. That's great. So let's say on a on a Monday or a Tuesday for mm-hmm. you for you you wake up in the morning, you have a full schedule. You have a lot of projects you have to work on. Yeah. Not a data to ingest, <laughs> and a lot of us have these kind of days. Right. So how do you apply that growth mindset to a super busy day for a professional that's you know got kids and a family and yep. what does that look like? Like a, a typical day for you in a, in a growth mindset. What does that look like? So growth mindset is like, um, I recently take the high performance mindset thing. So I think it's very, very, very applicable here. So we all have very uh, different priority and we all have a lot of tasks. But I usually look at my calendar like um, actually Friday before the, the, the Monday following. And I say, okay, next week, this is what the most highest priority. And I will spend my dedicated time when I'm, in that moment, doing these the particular tasks, I'm very focused. And then I will say, okay, I give myself a time box. Say, I am going to spend like 40, hour, 40 hours. And if it's type, top priority, I say, okay, I'm going to dedicate 10 solid hours for that, the most important task. Then I will pick the second task that's most important, and then I will give a pool of flexible hours, so there will be uh, urgency. But I always take it with that growth mindset because you know business is very dynamic and a lot of things change. But I won't be grumpy about oh well my priority got changed I cannot focus. I will try to say okay regroup quickly. What is this new? Uh, element that introduced to my schedule will impact what I'm trying to do. And then if I do impact other teammates, I will let them know, say, oh, I was working on this, but there was a higher party come here. Would you mind that I will finish up later? And then that will ease the anxiety. And then I was able to focus. So that helped me a lot. That's just how I handle it. Wow. So you approach your time management Mm 
um, from almost like a project management <laughs> kind of viewpoint. And then you dynamically change it to give some balance to emotional balance to it. Cause you mentioned yeah. anxiety. So there's some emotional balance and there's obviously some physical balance because you, you only have so much time in a day, <laughs> but you do that the Friday before that week. And then you also keep in mind how you can help others grow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> so, I try to. I yeah. try to. Yeah. Wow. Always every day you say, okay, that's that's my goal, right? That's my goal. I'm going to align my 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 behavior very close to my goal. But it's okay. I fall. It's okay. That's just the whole open like a uh, goal mindset, right? Okay, why I fail this time is because of all these other things. Okay recover from it and go, go at it next time. And, and that's incredible, Connie and, and growth mindset. I read the book by uh, Carol Dweck and I'll also put a link to the book in the show notes, but uh, that's something that Satya Nadella, our CEO at Microsoft is, is, is very, um, very keen on. Right. Yeah. And, and, and culturally in the business that we're all trying to do that. So that's really great, Connie. I think you're a big leader there and we'll definitely have to do a, a drill through. <laughs> on, this, on this part of the conversation as well on another, on another uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, but so I wanted to, now that we've gotten some credentials from you and you've kind of blown us away by the way that you approached your week and your time management and, and kind of your viewpoints um, uh, emotionally and physically there, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about AI. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that you're very interested in and so am I and probably a lot of our listeners. And I wanted to talk about um, what you think AI is. Okay. Yeah. So we see a lot of AI and people afraid about AI going to take over the world. But I always call, uh, my personal thinking is that the logic is this uh, artificial intelligence is highly beneficial. But my way of thinking is, is I call it assistant intelligence. Because uh, AI is programmed by a programmer like me. <laughs> and so I couldn't possibly program something smarter than me, or at least maybe I subconsciously <laughs> program something like that, but I haven't encountered that in the past couple of decades. So, so that's why I think AI can help people to do tasks and free us from our original thinking. So the greatest assets for humankind is our brain. And there was a stat saying we only use maybe 10 to 15% of our brain. And so if we can use computing artificial intelligence to free us from the uh, like routine, not innovative thinking, that's what I think AI is. So I always say it's an intelligent uh, assistant. It doesn't necessarily uh, help replace the intelligence. So that's how I view it. it. That's a beautiful way to look at it too. When you start thinking about the human brain as, as the most important asset. So mm-hmm. we were talking earlier, Connie, and you made some really, really great points about, um, and I, I asked you about Skynet and you said, Oh, yeah. I, I've never heard about that before. I'm, I'm a, I'm a geek and I love the Terminator movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm a, yeah. a lot of people are obsessed with Skynet and you know, this evil AI that could, that, could potentially destroy the world and and <laughs> mankind and all that stuff that all the geeks love to think about. And the first thing you said was like, "Oh, well, that Skynet must be 
must have been written by a, a bad programmer. Yes. So, and then we had a funny conversation about. So, so tell us a little bit more about that. About how programmers who write these AI code, yeah, how they perceive the world actually affects how AI may perceive the world. Yeah. So this is to come back to our conversation about. I say the the step we were talking about the diversity in the uh, high tech industry, or maybe we just now we talk about programming. So, um, like we say, there is a high pub. So diversity is important. That's why I'm trying to to share here because if the programmer program the 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 AI the equipment, it is very a uh, one one particular group centric. Then it would be most beneficial and most easy to use for that particular group, right? So then then it become like oh. Like any product we know, they oh this is not very easy to use, so I don't want to use it. So sometimes they wonder why there is a last female in the high tech. Sometimes I just say it's because not necessary because female brain cannot do it. It's just like the product is not friendly to the female brain. So maybe we just don't digest it easily because male and female definitely wired differently. So we don't learn the same way. So, so that's why I was talking to you about. I say, I don't know. Like, so diversity is important because if we like, for example, when I write program, I thinking from a female brain. So there is thing I program that is is more intuitive maybe for a female group, and or and then a, a male group. But that, that doesn't mean it's very different. It's just the thinking process maybe a little bit different. The way I code it, the way I interface, the way I generate the interface interaction with my user is different. So I just thought it's very important to have diversity in the doing the programming and all the development of the product because then you can hit more diversified product group and the consumer. Then you also encourage the people in a different group to use it, right? So say for example, I heard a long time ago Excel actually is programmed by a male dominant uh, programmer. So it's it's hard for a female to use it at the very beginning because it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> but, but after a while, we train our brain to use it. So I would just say that diversity is highly important for the fact that if we have AI or any kind of product or conversation as a platform, as a design, we probably want to include all diversity five of different groups to have their input. So the product is very, uh, very natural as human being because we don't have just one group of human being. We interact with all different kinds of people. So then we can interact with all different kinds of products. This is so amazing, Connie. And when you spoke to me originally about this, when we were kind of prepping for this call, you mentioned this and I, it just blew me away because... I've I never thought about technology that way, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, you, you look at all the the A B testing yeah. and, and analytics that you say Netflix does to change their tiles when you're doing the net you know, the Netflix opening page to choose your your program. All that stuff is A B tested based upon the user experience and the user yeah. interface. But if there's men that are programming those things, um, and this goes back to the way that they sample it. All of that has an end result on how the viewers will be viewing it. 
but that kind of same thing applies to technology and and how you use things like an iPhone or a software program or coding too. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, and we discussed kind of now diving deep on, on diversity now, which is one of the biggest topics I wanted to cover today and diversity in the workplace and diversity with, with AI and things like that. Um, we were looking at some st- uh, statistics from 2014. It looks like kind of old, but they're released by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. So 68.5% of the workers in um, high tech are men. Yeah. Or, excuse, excuse me, are, are white. And yeah. then 35.7% are women. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have 7.4% black, um, 8% Hispanic, 14% Asian. So there's obviously an over-index of white men right. in technology. Yeah. Um, and you're saying, just based upon our conversation here, that's not good for technology. It's not good for the future of AI. Right. Um, because we're now designing assisted intelligence that has an overly bearing masculine approach to solving problems, exactly. which is actually very terrible. <laughs> so, that's why the Skynet thing like you, you boom over and you want to bomb everybody, take over the world. But it was like, there was a female programmer say, oh, let's go flower, let's go garden and make it better. So, yeah, I wonder what a Donald Trump uh, programmed AI would look like. <laughs> so we don't have to go there. But okay, so... So what should what should women be doing um, to get into the workplace, Connie? How could how could the workplace be more diverse? You're obviously a Chinese immigrant, um, a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very hard to find somebody to come onto the podcast that I knew in my in my own ecosystem that could start <laughs> talking about these things. So you know that's that says something right there. You mentioned out of all the the data solution architects. Um, I think you're the only one in the area that that is a woman. So, yes. <laughs> um, what what can what can be done here to help businesses um, make more diverse teams? From your point of view, I think just uh, understanding that de- depends on the female personality. Female, uh, well, I don't know. I personally, I'm going to just talk about my personal experience. I'm more, I'm not as vocal as uh, as uh, my peer. Mm-hmm. And I usually do my job and just in a silent because that's just how I, I perceive things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that when I'm quiet, I don't have a voice. So I'm very fortunate. Uh, there is uh, my prior manager at Microsoft. He encouraged me because he told me, he said, Connie, just because you are quiet, I know your work product. So just keep at it. You know, we recognize people have different personality, but not one size fits all. So encouraging female in the tech is just, yes, it may be a little bit hard because uh, the field is, yeah, it is very male dominated. But if you really want something, just go after it and um, and be passionate about it. You're going to bump into more barrier, but that's part of the, the part of the growth, right? So once you bump into barrier and then you just, just uh, keep at it, and usually ask help. Throughout my career, I find out it's just not a one issue or one of the things. It's not like people don't accept you or something. They just don't know. They have no awareness of it. They didn't know that, oh, when you look at it, your brain operates different from mine. Let me explain to you that this is why it works this way. Then I said, 
Oh, that's how you guys work. Okay, then I think about that pattern. So I want to encourage any gender or any you know group like just just go out and go. If you went to some barrier, just ask. And if if somebody explains to you you don't understand, ask again. You still don't understand. Go ask another person. Ask until the person who can explain to you that you understand. And nowadays there's a lot of YouTube, a lot of things that you can learn something and just overcome those kind of barrier. I have two daughters is in a high tech field. So at the beginning it's hard for them to learn, but I always tell them, say, be curious. There is a lot of thing to learn. And so what uh, you don't want to take it as a career, but you will find it fascinating because it's very innovative field. And if you really like innovation, it is a good field to be in. Wow. Okay. So there was a lot there that I, I really want to uh, double down on. So you have two daughters and you mentioned mm-hmm. that they are both interested in high tech. Yeah. They are um, in the high tech field. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of us are parents yes. and I, I'm a parent. I have a, a, a one-year-old daughter and I was just talking to my wife about how concerned I was um, <laughs> about not being overbearing because I live in, I live in Irvine or I live in the Irvine area in Orange County. And I see some of the parents and what they're kind of doing to their children and force feeding them things yep. that they don't like. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm concerned about, Hey, how, a how am I going to help my, my daughter become a force to be reckoned with um, when she grows up, but also prepare her to be as happy as possible yeah. and be able to, contribute as much value to the world as possible. So how do I get ready, ready for her to get into um, business and her career and how she's going to be adding value there? What What's the secret, Connie? Because it seems the like, <laughs> yeah, it, it seems I like think, you have some secrets for us. Uh, I think the secret go back to how you asked me the question, like how does business going to feel this demand of data scientists, data uh, analysts and that it's like, look at the potential of a person. It's actually for any a parent, a manager, it's all the same. It's like if there's a potential and just encourage them and also just encourage them saying that even you find there was a very gifted person, they find their calling at a very young age and they go at it, perfect. I'm not one of those, right? So I told you I was in nursing. Not, neither am I. <laughs> So, so I take the approach that grow the mindset instead of the skill because the mindset will stay with you for the, for the, the rest of your life. So I grow the character and the, the, the courage and the, the, uh, I, I'm a very determined person. And so if I want to do something, I will see to the end. So that kind of... I grow it from that perspective, just like you grow an employee from their potential, knowing that this person truly have passion, even though they don't know how to do it, channel that passion into something. So I, I will say, Derek, just you know, see how your daughter, what she's passionate about. And when you are passionate about something, you tend to be good at it. And it's a, a very healthy cycle. And you just need to, you just need to feed that passion. It sounds yeah. like continu- continuously. And as a manager, that's super important as well, mm-hmm. is, is, is feeding that passion. And um, what's, the first, what's the first thing that um, 
leaders should be doing to try to figure out that potential and that passion? What's an, what's an, what's a, you know, a framework for how they can approach that? I think uh, one way, if I imagine, well, since I, I think every parent is a manager, actually. <laughs> you manage your children, right? I so agree. So as a parent and do that, it's like just uh, tune into what your uh, employee, your direct report, they talk about, right? So just tune into what they talk about and then uh, see what they are good at it. Or like, or not sometimes they may be not good at it, but they keep on wanting to do something in that area. So then that way you can actually have a very open dialogue. I, I believe it's a, if a manager have an open dialogue to uh, their direct report, usually you get more uh, more uh, result out of the person because then you will say, oh, okay, so this is what you want to do. I give you some idea. If it doesn't work out, maybe you come back. But I believe the open dialogue you can tend to find out what your employee is good at. I believe everybody has some couple of skill that is super unique and super, they can bring a lot of uh, contribution to a team. It's just a, a manager's job to find out what, what's, that, what's that uniqueness, that special skill that person has. And, that, and that's not very easy because the management has to have a certain skill to be able yeah. to, and that growth mindset to be able to be yeah. open to having those conversations. And yeah. um, that's such a top-down approach. I read this book by Angela Duxworth. It's called um, Grit. And uh-huh. she gave it, it's a phenomenal book. It's a little bit like Carol Dweck's mindset book. And she gave an equation um, for achievement. And mm-hmm. the equation was talent times effort is equal to skill. Yeah. Skill times effort is equal to achievement. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, so many people pay attention to talent. Yeah. But in that equation, talent only comes up once and effort comes up twice. Right. So as long as you're putting as much effort as possible into something, you are going mm-hmm. to achieve no matter yes. what. I firmly believe that. And I think that and to, uh, to sustain your effort, right, is the passion. So you really need to like something you are doing. And then, of course, you're going to put in lots of effort. And then the once you you put into lots of effort, you you, you almost thought that you have a lot of talent, right? So then that that healthy cycle can go uh, go around and around. And and when you say sustaining effort, um, what does sustaining effort look like for you? So sustaining effort is that if I fail, oh, I got a lot of barrier, I got a lot of rejection, I still want to overcome. I will encourage myself, say, okay, this is not working. I uh, I don't get it. I don't know why I don't get it. And I say, okay, let me let me step back. Say, okay, my approach is kind of wrong. Maybe I go looking at a different way. Ask a couple of friends, colleagues, say, what do you think about what I'm going to do? What do you, maybe I look at it the wrong way. Then that will, to me, the, the passion of try to, understand and overcome something that is a sustaining effort. So that's a drive. That's what drive me. Yeah. That's great, Connie. So you have some, you have some customers and colleagues again, that you work with that are very lucky to have you on the team. Um, <laughs> so what are some, what are some fascinating projects that you're working on today that are getting you out of bed every day that you're really excited and passionate about? Yeah. 
Okay, so there's a couple. So there's one that I'm trying to very, uh, I, I, I like to able to help people. So uh, so one of the projects we, we're looking at is a predictive maintenance for uh, like a vending machine. Like, great, know, great. Transported, uh, area. So the, the thinking about driving that to solve that is to offer the service to all the passengers, right? So that that having that mindset saying this word is actually very, very important to all the passengers, right? If say imagine if we go to a bus station and the vending machine doesn't work and you cannot take a bus, well you get very mad. So <laughs> I will be yeah. <laughs> because I have some ways to go. Yeah. So so I say, oh, I'm doing a very good service. And the fact that my customer even want to do this to service their customer, even great greater gratification that I work with such a uh, customer focus customer so then so so we were going at it so from that project i did i learned a lot of different things about a vending machine and all the uh pain that they feel person that they have to encounter so using the technology from microsoft and the knowledge and my team and we are ho- hoping that we can find a way to keep the machine up and running at least most of the time so from that, I thought it's fascinating and very, um, it dry, you know, every morning I wake up, okay, there is something else I can do to help this, uh, able to predict that some issue with the machine so we can dispatch the uh, field person to fix it so that machine will be up and running all the time so passenger can move in and out all the time and even though we are all behind the scene, but knowing that people can go to where they want to go to, that we, we meet gratification on it. Yeah. So you're, I like that too, Connie. So well, the way that you're approaching, so and a predictive maintenance, predictive analytics is a huge topic today. Yeah. Everybody wants it. People are saying, mm-hmm. I want predictive analytics, yeah. even if they don't know what it means or what it does. So you saw the, the business problem, mm-hmm. um, which you needed to figure out how to make sure that these machines operated successfully so that yeah. people, the end user would be able to consume the the uh, the candies or the product in the in the yes. end. So, <laughs> Amen. So yeah, and um, so what are some important questions or important things to exist for that predictive maintenance project to be successful? You need, you know, a specific amount. You need a, a an an end user that's mm-hmm. that's impacted, which impacts the business value. Right. Um, and then you need a certain amount of data. Right. Um, you need some business leadership and the, and the culture of the company has to be aligned to want to tackle a problem like this. Can you yeah. kind of walk us through what, what your, your flow looks like for what this has to look like to be successful? And it doesn't have to be specifically for this project, but just generally for a predictive maintenance project like that? Yeah, so the general flow is I'm very fortunate working with a customer willing to support their customer in this journey, right? Not every day. So one of the way for a business to look at, do you have a, a good sponsorship, like a good sponsorship from your customer? Are they willing to travel this uh, this journey with you? Because predictive maintenance is kind of hard. It's not very like uh, very concise, like a formula in math or something. If you do one, two, three, then it will be successful. Because the fact that we we are in the, um, I think the four uh, industry revolution by all this kind of sensor, IoT stuff, it is just a little bit, we are in a pioneer stage. So, so you need to have a good sponsor in that. So that's my first flow. 
do I have a good sponsorship from my customer? They're willing to go through this journey with me and they may fail a couple of times. Are they willing to do that? So that's the first step. The second step will be study of the, the subject matter expert in the field. What are they experiencing right now? So it's a bit, uh, sometimes it's like, oh, we just tell them to do stuff. No, no, you listen first. It's just like a manager. You listen first. What is the problem? Why is he doing that? And so you, you listen to what is the field person is talking about, how the usage is being done. Then the third step will be now we study the data point. What are the data you have? And then we bring in uh, the expert. Like uh, these machine have printer, these machine have critical reader, they have the coin and the bill recipitator, so you can receive your bill and stuff. So then we bring in the mechanical person, design about that, How what's your spec on these components? What are their uh, corner cases that will make it fail? So now we have the sponsorship, we have the subject, the subject matter expert, we have the people understand how the machine work and the data, then that is when the data science come. <laughs> okay, now I feed all the data into there and they simulated it. Then from the simulation, then you go into the whole process of tuning and the whole cycle of get some data training and simulating it and see if it's successful. Then from there, you may be able to just roll out into a very small set of uh, uh, real life field tests to see how it works. And then that cycle repeat. You come back, oh, well, this doesn't seems to be not very accurate. Let's figure out how to set up meta expert. Maybe in our discovery area, we've, we've, we missed something. Then we talk in to gather some data and that data science. And that, that cycle go around for a few times. And then when they have come to a threshold that is acceptable for the, uh, the business, then we can roll it out. So that's just how uh, we do we do so far. So it's, it's a massive undertaking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you, and when you say, when you say customer sponsorship, yeah. you're not talking end and customer who's consuming the, the product, no. but you're, you're talking about the, the, the business that wants to move forward with this. Yeah. Cause it's going to take time. Yes. It's going it to take, time. yeah, it takes their resources. Mm-hmm. It takes the technologists yes. resources. Um, and it may take X amount of resources that they don't under, that they don't have today because yeah. You're going to have to maintain this thing and tune the, the models and make sure that this is deploying the right way over time, right? Yeah. So it is. that's a called sustaining the effort we are talking about. They, the customer is very passionate about it. And so they, they believe this will bring greater good to their customer. So I'm very inspired by this customer that they're willing to serve their customer that way. So we were able to do that. So uh, every time when I do that, I was just say, oh, if Edison, when he tests out light bulb, he takes 10,000 times. What's uh, the harm if I want to do something? <laughs> I should bring greater good to other people. If I fail maybe five times, six times. I just need to have a very good relationship with my customers. Say, were you willing to go through this with me? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's such a great approach. So now what's next for you, Connie? What, what do you <laughs> want to do? It doesn't have to be role specific or company specific, but what would just be an amazing project for you to work on? An amazing division? What, uh-huh. do, you, what do you see for you in the next ten years? Something you'd like to accomplish? 
So um, I done uh, I programming and I do the data uh, science round. And the next thing is a logical progression. I want to get into like the uh, AI. There is a couple. I actually want to program against uh, the IoT devices. That's something I like to do because I just thought the the whole come back to the assist intelligent. Right? So now we have all this technology that can uh, help improve the standard of life or greater good of life. And so I, my next project is I want to able to uh, tap into the smart device. So that's my immediate immediate goal. I want to able to program a smart device or able to help people understand smart device because I just thought that would be wonderful. Or very uh, far-fetched thinking about me uh, that we, I was just thinking and talk about would be Maybe there's some sort of thing that we can help students or the children to learn. Like we were saying that we only tap about 10 or 15% of our brain. So maybe there's some sort of music or some sort of program or some sort of devices that we can wear or practice with that actually simulate the growth or thinking thinking pattern. So that is my far-fetched goal. Well, it, it honestly doesn't sound too far-fetched. It sounds like something that you may be working on in, this, in the near future. Um, Connie, it was so great to have you on today. Um, I think that was a very special episode and you covered a lot of different things. And personally, it was nice to hear you know, what advice you're giving to your, your, your daughters and how you think businesses should be looking at diversity. We need more women. Yes. We need more minorities. Yeah. Uh, we need... Uh, a lot of other things to make our teams more diverse. So age, experience, um, skill set, gender, yeah. all of those different things. So um, really glad that you're on today. And so how can folks reach out to you um, if they'd like to connect with you as on LinkedIn? Yeah, um, I, I, my LinkedIn profile is there. So I, I highly can, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always open connecting with people. And so please connect, find me on LinkedIn and, um, then I'm very happy to have a dialogue. I thought the word, there's different mindset is a wonderful thing. Great, great. Well, thanks a lot, Connie. And hopefully we can have you back on the show again. Sure. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at Network. D-R-U-S-S network on Twitter or Instagram and reach out anytime to connect and talk about how businesses should be becoming more data-driven. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought forum where we share knowledge and ideas, views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of our employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thank you.